the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. You're with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. Love to get you involved between now and six on the temperate bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. I heard Hayes actually in the run home predict that uh, we hope to get around 30,000 people here for the WAFL grand final on Sunday between East Fremantle and Peel Thunder. The weather gods have looked uh, down favourably on Sunday. It should be a pretty nice day to come out and support the local community waffle grand final. I'm not sure we'll get to 30,000 because I had a look at the attendances in three of the Optus Stadium grand finals that have been staged here so far. The first one was back in 2018. Subiaco took on West Perth that year and 25,000 came out. The following year was Subiaco and South Fremantle. It was only 18,000 on that day. And then we had the break. It went to Fremantle Oval. Then it came back to Optus, Optus in 2021 for Subiaco against South Fremantle, where 29,879 attended to see a big win to Subi Doobie, 13,785 to 511,41. I'm predicting possibly in the mid-20s for the game on Sunday. I'm not sure Peel Thunder will have a huge community following. There may be quite a few people that may come up from Mandra. I'm just wondering how many people will come as a neutral to support the local grand final. Are you one of those people? Give us your thoughts. 0487 736 736. So the fact that East Romano haven't won a premiership since 1998, a lot of the uh, old East slash Sharks faithful will no doubt venture here to Optus Stadium to see if they can break their drought. That's going to be one of the most exciting aspects of the Waffle Grand Final. Peel Thunder, in their short existence, are going for their third Waffle Grand Final. The other thing that caught my attention today is that the son of a legend of soccer has been signed by the A-League club Brisbane Raw. I'm speaking about this gentleman. The Netherlands in front. But Australia looking for a quick comeback. They've got it. Tim Cahill. Astonishing. Tim Cahill is regarded as the best product ever to play in green and gold for this country in the world's biggest sport, soccer. And Tim Cahill's son has just signed with A-League club, the Brisbane Roar. His name is Shay Cale. He's 18 and has joined the Raw on a multi-season deal after spending the past four years with the English Premier League club Everton's Academy. Of course, Everton was the club where Tim Cale made his name. Last season, Cale made nine appearances for the Everton under-18 team. His father, Tim, as we know, an Everton great for the Toffees, scored 50 goals in 108 appearances for the Socceroos, and he has expressed his delight following the announcement of his young boy's signing. So it got me thinking about some of the other exciting signings when you've had the father and maybe the son or daughter 
that have been signed up. Uh, we had Gary Ablett Senior, of course. We know what Gary Ablett Junior said uh, did. The other one that was interesting recently, Sachin Tendulkar, who's regarded as one of the greats of uh, cricket, certainly in this generation. His 23-year-old son, Arjun, made his debut in the top flight of Indian cricket last year and scored a century in the domestic competition, the Ranji Trophy. And it went ballistic there on the subcontinent when Sachin's son made his debut. There's been others. I remember Muhammad Ali, the great late boxing champion, the heavyweight boxing champion. I remember when his daughter, Layla, actually went into the boxing ring. And at one stage, she had a 24-0 record. She was a mean boxer and certainly had a lot of publicity when the great Muhammad Ali's daughter got into the boxing ring to follow in the footsteps of her late great dad. There's been others. Like in cricket, there was Lance and Chris Cairns. I remember Lance Cairns, who was a very good all-rounder for New Zealand and played some 43 test matches for the New Zealand national team during the 70s and 80s. I remember as a young boy. And, of course, Chris Cairns, who became one of the great uh, all-rounders in world cricket. And, of course, in basketball, who can... uh, Forget Lindsay and Andrew Gaze. Of course, Lindsay, who played in the 1964 Olympic Games for the Boomers, or the Australians, as they were known then, before they got the tag of the Boomers, went on to have such an illustrious coaching career. And, of course, there was a lot of pressure on son Andrew to come through, but uh, he certainly excelled at uh, international and national level. So is there any others that I've missed out on? But I'm looking forward to seeing Tim Cale's son for the very reason of what an exceptional player uh, his father was. So good luck to Shay Kale in his debut for the Brisbane Roar. And you'll see him in the A-League that's not far away. The A-League gets underway in about a month's time. Give us your thoughts on the temperate bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. The other thing that I read today, which is interesting, and it's becoming quite a big sport in the United States of America. Remember Eugenie Bouchard? who got to a Wimbledon final and got, I think, uh, to number five in the world. And all of a sudden, her career sort of has gone sort of southward a bit. Well, she's been signed to play pickleball. Now, you might be thinking, what's pickleball? It's big in the United States. Yeah, pickleball. And is the pickles that you eat and ball. Now, it's a cross between tennis, badminton and ping pong which is table tennis, okay? It's played indoors or out on a court about a quarter of the size of a tennis court with a slightly lower net. Now, it was invented by three dads in Seattle in 1965 for their kids and is now the fastest-growing sport in the United States. Fastest-growing sport in the United States. More than a million Americans have taken it up during the pandemic, bringing the total to nearly 5 million participants. And among them is Melinda and Bill Gates. Various Kardashians boys play pickleball, I've been told. Friends of, or friends stars Matthew Perry, Leonardo DiCaprio, and now Eugenie Bouchard. Now, do we play pickleball here in Perth? Does anybody know of any association, club, team, of any shape or form, that have picked up pickleball on the back end of the US sensation. As pointed out, the fastest-growing sport 
in the United States of America. Tell me more. 0487 736 736. All right, let's have a look at what's happening on this program. I'll be speaking to a gentleman who played in a grand final for the Blues. He was discarded by the West Coast Eagles. He was there for three years, really found it difficult to break into that side in the early 90s, and then was delisted and was picked up by Carlton and was one of two West Australians to play in the 1995 grand final and has got a premiership medallion to show for it. I'm talking about Matt Clappay. He and Earl Spaulding were the two West Australians in that Blues side of 1995. And what a powerful combination it was. Matt Clappay is going to join us in a little while. And today was the launch of the West Australian Cricket Association season. The brand new season is not far away. And I'm going to invite Cade Harvey, who is the general manager of high performance and elite teams at the West Australian Cricket Association. I'm going to ask him, because there's some talk that Cameron Green, who didn't play much for the Perth Scorchers last season, as we know, because of that hand injury, is being courted by the Brisbane Heat to play in the BBL for the Heat. We've lost Cam Bancroft. He's left the Perth Scorchers, and he's gone to the Sydney Thunder. Are we going to lose Cameron Green? So I'll ask Kate Harvey about that when I speak to him a bit later on in the program. All right, come and join us anytime. This is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with Matt Clappe to talk about that special moment for him. 1995, Carlton won the AFL Premiership. As at the moment, the Blue Baggers are very much on the bandwagon now, hoping they can go up to Brisbane, beat the Lions and get into that Last day in September. And let me tell you, if that happens, they will go ballistic, every Carlton supporter around the country. Matt Clappe joins us next here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Just don't forget, uh, on Thursday midnight, double demerits apply. That is midnight Thursday until midnight Monday. We have got a long weekend here in Perth and throughout Western Australia. Uh, and you could be in trouble for drink or drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. Double demerits apply from midnight Thursday night. By the way, have you heard about a great prize giveaway? Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game. It's worth over $70,000. All you need to do is just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance to win. And what a prize that'll be. T&Cs do apply. All right, as we look ahead to the preliminary finals that are coming up uh, this weekend, a lot of excitement uh, centering around Carlton. A lot of excitement centering around GWS as well because heading into these prelim finals, many thought that possibly Collingwood and Brisbane with that week's bye and what they achieved in uh, the weekend before in those qualifying finals, getting direct passage of the prelim final would be in the best position to maybe contest 
the season decider uh, the following week. But on the back end of impressive showings by GWS against Port Adelaide last week and that last gasp win by Carlton over Melbourne, all of a sudden people are starting to think, could we see the Blues in the Premiership decider? after what was a very shaky first half of the season when there were calls for maybe even their coach, Michael Voss, to move on. How things have changed for Carlton. And now the Carlton bandwagon is full. It's like one of those Indian trains where everybody hangs off uh, just to get involved. So it's a bit like that. Now, Matt Clappe is one of two Western Australians that played in Carlton's 1995 AFL Grand Final. It was a big year for the Blues, They won the grand final by 61 points. Carlton's 16th premiership, making them the most successful club in the league's history. And that also marked Carlton's 16th consecutive win. It was a big year. And part of that was Matt Clapper. He joins us on the program now. Matt, thanks for your time. How's life treating you? Yeah, look, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, obviously, this time of year, footy season, it's uh, going great at the moment. And you're no doubt following the Blues, uh, I suppose it brings back great memories to see uh, Carlton back in the finals firstly in a decade and so close to possibly getting into a grand final. I gather it, it does bring back memories of that special day back in 1995. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's uh, been a long, long time since um, I win in the grand final, obviously. Um, talked to a number of young Carlton supporters who weren't alive then. <laughs> very old. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, coming down to the wire. Um, Saturday will be an interesting game. Matt, we're looking at yourself. Uh, you had your first chance at AFL football with the West Coast Eagles. Uh, you were a halfback flanker and one that was very good. You played your waffle football with East Perth, but you were delisted after three seasons. Of course, in 92, you played there right through to 1994. The Eagles, as we know, they were premiership years in 92-94. How difficult was it to get and become a regular in that West Coast Eagles team in the early 90s? Yeah, well, they were very strong. Um, a number of players that I uh, I sat on the sidelines with uh, went on to to play good football at other other AFL clubs, sort of a, like a Jason Heatley and Matt Connell, all these guys, um, and, and a number of others, obviously, that that were struggling to try and break break our way in. So yeah, it was frustrating in a way, but um, you're playing AFL football, which was your dream growing up. That's for sure. Saying that, what was it like being on the sidelines watching the Eagles win the premierships in 92 and 94? Um, I had a reasonable back half of the year, 92. I drafted and played as Mr Malthouse did most of the times um, in the waffle. So usual, usually recruits played their first year um, playing in the, in the waffle in the twos, apart from, I think, Glenn Jakovic, who was... Obviously, stamped his authority and made him pick him in the in the in the seniors. But it was, um, yeah. Look, it was it was tough tough time. But I had a good back half of the year. I broke broke my arm at the start of the year and and got back with an arm guard and had uh, had a good few games. So I ended up probably about the third emergency, fourth emergency for the grand final. So I was in Melbourne for it with the team. 
um, but there was a number of boys who uh, were in front of me if someone fell over, and probably the, the one that missed out, who was uh, probably most unlucky, was David Hines that year. Mm. Played a magnificent game the week before, and then um, then Monkey Brennan had to come back into the side. So, so Hines, he missed out after a fantastic game the week before. So, yeah, it was a bit tough. It would have been tough. It's amazing how many of these stories have been replicated over the years. Uh, when you look at yourself, uh, and we've seen Blake Akers, who got to- shown the door by Fremantle at the end of last season. Look what he's done at Carlton. And it's almost similar to yourself in some ways, because in your first year in 92 at the Eagles, you only played the nine games. You played 14 in 93. And, of course, in 94, you played six. And there was a bit of injuries concern. But then you got the opportunity to go to Carlton. How did that come about? Did David Parkin, who was the coach of the Blues, actually approach you to come and join them? Um, we, we actually, um, well, coming out of contract, uh, West Coast were, were happy to sort of say, look, we can sign you up again for next year and you'll do a similar thing. Um, if someone gets injured, you potentially come in and in the meantime play at East Perth. But... I've done a number of years doing that, so I uh, then wife and I just said, well, why don't we just go into the draft and see what happens? If we don't get picked up, then we just play out history at, at East Perth and, and enjoy doing that. Um, so that was that was basically what we did, put ourselves into the draft, um, spoke to probably Adelaide more than anyone. We had jobs lined up and things like that if they were going to pick us up. Um, had one conversation with the Blues, and looking back, I think it was probably more Ken Judge, who was um, who was assistant coach at the time, mm. who coached East Fremantle and probably seen me play at East Perth a fair bit. I would probably put it down to him and obviously the recruiters over there, but I think he might have had a bit more influence than anyone to get us across there. And I know that David Parkin always had a very high regard with uh, the late Ken Judge uh, from their days at Hawthorne. So I gather any recommendation that Judge he made to Parko would have been taken on board. And that was certainly uh, what happened with Matt Clapper because you played 23 games that year after struggling to get a regular game with the West Coast. In 1995, you played 23 games in what was one of Carlton's biggest and strongest ever teams it was just an amazing transformation for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose it was just um, opportunity. I think uh, a couple of those players I mentioned before, Matt Connell goes to Adelaide and, and plays exceptionally well, BNFs and premierships and things like that as well. So just that opportunity, there was a, a hole. So very lucky to, to find a, a position on the ground and had a couple of good games early, which held my spot for a while. Um, but, yeah, it was was amazing for us, my wife and I, going across there. First game, you you play Carlton Collingwood at the G with 95,000 people. It was just unbelievable. And then the, the whole year panning out to, to be the way it was, again, just a, a dream come true and then finishing with the, with the grand final at the end. One of your big games that year in 1995, I think it was against Adelaide in Melbourne, where you kicked seven straight goals. Was that probably the highlight of your career, certainly for the Blues? Um, I think grand final win was definitely the highlight, but certainly um, from a goal-kicking perspective, yeah, seven straight was, was great. I, it's one of those people, you, when you play, I, 
come off the ground and couldn't really tell you how many kicks I got or how many handballs. I used to have to go and watch a video to uh, to sort of work out how good a game you had. You knew you sort of played well. Um, I think I could ask how many I kicked as we were walking off the ground. I, I didn't know, uh, <laughs> which I know you probably find that surprising, but uh, I knew there was a few there, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, look, it was great. That was um, just one out of the box. You ended up at the right place at the right time and was certainly something I worked on goal kicking because... Um, you know, not a prolific ball getter, but if you could walk off the ground with your two, maybe three goals a game, you you generally held your spot, and that was probably what I was looking at, trying to hold my spot week in, week out. Well, you had four seasons at Carlton. Tell us how big a club this is when it's going well like it is this season. Uh, we know about Collingwood. We know about Richmond. We've seen what's emulated there. But Carlton is very much just as big in Melbourne town, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's one of the big big clubs, obviously. Uh, the other two you mentioned there at Essendon. Um, but they've been starved probably a bit for uh, for success over a number of years now. I think we probably see it a little bit more here. We've got a, a really big uh, contingent of supporters here in WA, which is fantastic. Um, one of those things growing up, I didn't have a real uh, a VFL side. or um, Growing up, my father didn't play footy. But I used to try and just watch WA players that went across there, and obviously there's a fair few that played for Carlton as well. Um, so coming back here again, there's a, yeah a big supporter group and a supporter base, and um, you probably see it now with all the success, everyone running around the place in Carlton scarves and hats, and yeah, there's a real bubble about that's for sure. And the club were over there a couple of weeks ago just to watch the, the Sydney game. And uh, went went to the club and had a bit of a tour around, and there was people there everywhere, and the merchandise shop was doing very very well. <laughs> uh, what about Carlton? Uh, a lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon. You're a premiership player, and that cannot be looked down on. A premiership player for the Carlton Footy Club is a great honour. Matt, can they go all the way? What are your general feeling about the 2023 version? Look, they've uh, they've played some great periods of football in games that probably haven't really strung a whole game together, which they, I think they're going to need need to do this week. Um, history shows that they don't play that well up in Brisbane. Um, but again, the uh, playing finals, a young, young team, they're going well, confident at the moment. Once you're there and playing, um, anything can happen. So fingers crossed. Um, that they get the job done. I think you've got to start. I think someone was saying they've got to start start well up there and try and silence the crowd. But just watching the GWS game on the weekend, they don't actually need a crowd if you uh, if you're basically playing as a team and and really uh, all all out there for the one goal, which I know they are. So yes, fingers crossed they get over the line and then we're uh, we're into a grand final, which would be fantastic. And as we let you go, what would it mean to have a Collingwood Carlton grand final this year? It'll be just, it'll be just crazy, won't it? I think it, being in Melbourne, as I said a couple of weeks ago, was just going crazy there. The, the town itself. There was obviously a number of games of footy in Melbourne that weekend. Um, to have a Carlton Collingwood grand final, well, I think there'd be there'd be people sitting in the Yarra, what trying to listen to the listen to the game and 
and try and get a vantage point. But um, it would definitely go off. Um, I think it's probably our perfect scenario. Um, and I think the AFL would, would love that as well with um, some of the big clubs back involved in a grand final. Fantastic. Matt Clappe, it's been lovely to reconnect. Uh, how's life treating you, family? Uh, you got any uh, kids that maybe could follow in Dad's footsteps? I've got a son and a daughter. They're 24 and 22 now. Um, son, he didn't mind playing a bit of football, but he's he's into a bit of distance running now. And mm-hmm. daughter's playing netball, but in the back of her mind, she may want to have a run around footy-wise, but... Um, She's, uh, she's netball and going very well with that at the moment. So um, other than that, I just grow old. <laughs> I've, had a, I've had a look at your birth date, actually. You were born a day before me in May, but I'm 10 years older, mate. Go. So there you go. So there you go. I'm the <laughs> old codger. 10 years younger, too. <laughs> uh, good on you, Matt. Lovely to talk to you again, mate, and congratulations. That's something that nobody can take away from you. Two West Australians played in that 1995 Premiership for Carlton. It was Earl Sporting, who I spoke to last week, actually, and yourself, Matt Clappe. Well done, mate, and uh, great to see no, that I'm life's better. treating you well. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much. Good. Matt Clappay joining us, uh, who played, as I mentioned, in that premiership and went on to do some great things for Carlton, particularly his first year in 1995. As I mentioned, he played 23 games, kicked 31 goals, including seven in one game and uh, just couldn't get in to the West Coast Eagles lineup uh, in those three years when the Eagles were so dominant, and they certainly were. And I think Mick Moldas actually said when they actually released Matt Clappay, He said, I just hope he doesn't come back and bite us on the bum. Uh, He did that to 1995. For more reports, he had a couple of good games against the West Coast Eagles. All right, just for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil, just some of the headlines here is that the Perth Wildcats have stood down Corey Webster from this afternoon's pre-season game against Adelaide. Jimmy, has that uh, got underway? That should be pretty close to getting underway if it's not underway at the moment. So we'll bring you up to date uh, with that as well. Uh, Cobram Estate, by the way, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. For Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, we're talking about GWS. Uh, They're taking on, as we know, Collingwood in Friday night's preliminary final. And there's Adam Kingsley on the challenge of playing Collingwood in front of around about 90,000 fans. We focus on our expectations and our opportunities rather than external expectations. Okay, well... We know they're hard to win and no one thought we'd be here, so let's make the most of it. Well, no, we're here. So, and we're playing really good footy and we think we can compete against any team in the league, you know, particularly the, the, the final three teams uh, remaining. Um, so let, let's let's have a go and, and see if we can take our opportunity. Let's just play the way that we play and see where it takes us because we have great confidence and belief in the way that we play and the people that we have um, can take us there. So... I mean, it remains to be seen whether that could be successful or not. We've got a massive challenge against, you know, the best team in the comp on Friday night who last time we were down at the G playing and beat us by 11 goals or so. So, um, you know, we're not naive to the challenge that awaits us, but we're certainly very confident in the way that we can play and know that if we play our very best football, then we can compete. Good on him, Adam Kingsley. 
uh, certainly looking to be now coach of the year in his first year at GWS. It was talking about Ross Lyon, but I reckon he's uh, jumped over Ross Lyon as coach of the year, in my opinion. Harry Mackay, he's given an update on his fitness ahead of Carlton's game on Saturday night. Uh, it should be a beauty as well. Uh, uh, regarding on the Ben and Harry podcast, uh, an update here, Harry Mackay on his fitness. For the first couple of days, yeah, yeah it's um, not a great feeling. You're... Yeah, a little bit headachy, and um, I think the best way to describe it is just you're not quite right mm. um, for a couple of days, and then you, you take it pretty easy. But um, after yeah, two or three days, you kind of start to feel normal again. And then it was just overnight. I think it was maybe day three or four. Everything just clicked, mm. and you felt pretty good again. So yeah, I was lucky that I responded pretty well and bounced out of it yeah as good as possible. So yeah, it's all tracking really well. Back full training this week, and um, all going well. I'll be all good to play. So, Harry Mackay, we look forward to the selections actually on Thursday night. Just from the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. By the way, that sports update, thanks to Polaris. Their plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. I said regarding pickleball a bit early at the top of the program, uh, the fact that Eugenie Bouchard, the Canadian tennis player, is now taking it up. Uh, Pete, fun fact, SEN's Cam Luke at one stage tried to get the Australian licence for pickleball. That's regards from Greg. Good on you, Greg. Alex says regarding a Tim Cale's son who's just been signed up by the Brisbane Raw, the 18-year-old, and will be playing in the A-League this season. I said about sort of, uh, sort of siblings that have excelled uh, on the back end of the pressure of their father or mother. Uh, Peter, the Brutons... Polly Farmer's boy, and, of course, Tim and Joe Watson. That's a good combination. Earl and George Spaulding, certainly from the Perth Football Club. Good on you, Alex. Uh, thanks for that. Lee says, hi, Pete and team. Father and son, Golf Tiger Woods and his son, Charlie Woods. And congratulations to Matt Rosa, yes, on being appointed the AFL Talent and Operations Manager at the Bombers. Wish him all the best, that Lisa from Ellenbrook. Yeah, good on uh, to Matt Rosa. Uh, he's ended up there at the Bombers as we're after spending time at the West Coast Eagles and the Gold Coast Suns. All right, uh, after the break, we're going to come back and find out what's happening in the cricket world because today was the official launch for the West Australian Cricket Association for this season. WA Cricket sits on top of the tree in all three formats, Sheffield Shield, uh, the Big Bash, uh, the Marsh Cup, which is the ODI competition, so I'm going to speak to Kate Harvey after the break, and I've got need to ask him the question because there's been some murmurings about Cameron Green, the star all-rounder, regarding the Big Bash. We, he missed a lot of it last season with injury for the Perth Scorchers, but it appears that the Brisbane Heat are making a serious play for him. Will he end up at the Heat? I'll ask Kate Harvey that question next here on Sports Day WA. Don't go away. We'll be back with Kate after the break. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA on this Tuesday. It's all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year. 
and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. I can smell it. Uh, cricket season is not far away. And today was the launch of the West Australian Cricket Association season. It was held this morning. And the man that's going to be uh, pivotal to that is the man that's the general manager of high performance down there at the WACA in Kate Harvey. And Kate joins us on the program now. Kate, thanks for your time. No worries, Pat. Uh, the business is certainly starting to ramp up now. We're not far away. Yeah, it sort of sneaks up on, on us a little bit, but um, certainly with the launch this morning, it feels pretty official that um, summer's not far away and, and cricket's um, right around the corner. So, um, you know, it's been a, a good pre-season, but, yeah, everyone's looking forward to getting in amongst it over the next week or so. And, of course, uh, the West Australian cricket scenario has been just fabulous. There's been so much to get excited about over the last few seasons. It's always more difficult to stay on top for an extended period of time. That is the aim, but it won't be easy. No, it's never easy. I think, um, you know, for a while there we were we were hunting and now we're probably a little bit the hunted. So, um, yeah, look, we're certainly comfortable with that. We we had that last year coming off a really strong season in the men's program. So, um, you know, to sort of repeat that this year, we sort of got an idea of, of where we're heading, but we've got a really hungry group. And, you know, we've had a lot of our players have been playing over the pre-season. We've had some of our young guys here, um, you know, preparing and, and, and getting better. And, you know, we, we bring that all together next week when we, um, when we start up. So we're certainly looking forward to that. But, um, yeah, certainly no issues from a hunger point of view or any issues around complacency. When you have a look at the West Australian contribution to Australian cricket, you only need to look at what's happened in the Australian T20 and ODI competitions in South Africa. Just such a strong representation from this state. Yeah, it's really nice. I think, you know, we celebrate um, our players playing international cricket as much as we do the trophies. That's a big part of what we do. And, um, you know, to see Mitch Marsh be the captain of Australia in those formats, um, for Aaron Hardy to make his debut and, and to have strong representation across um, both those series leading into a World Cup is really pleasing and a credit to to the players for uh, for being part of that and, and for, um, you know, a lot of our staff who help the players get there. So um, really rewarding for everyone when they're in national colours, but, you know, particularly with Aaron and, and Mitch and their, uh, their sort of achievements personally, um, it was really pleasing for them. You're an all-rounder. It's amazing the amount of all-rounders coming out of Western Australia, Kate. It's quite phenomenal. Yeah, we've been lucky. I wouldn't put myself in the category of some of the boys that we've got here now. It's been, um, they're genuine world-class all-rounders. So, um, you know, we don't have the luxury of having them all together and playing at, at any one time, but um, we feel pretty fortunate to call on, um, yeah, that skill set that we've been able to across, you know, the men's sort of state cricket as well as the Big Bash over the last few years. So, um, yeah, we've been certainly very... Uh, productive in that skill set, but um, yeah, and it's nice they are all in the sort of same squad in South Africa, which is a little bit unusual. But um, we're hoping to sort of get Aaron Hardy back at some point. But um, the rest of the boys, I think, have got a reasonable role in the World Cup. Yeah. So saying that, because of the involvement of a lot of these top line players from Western Australia in the World Cup, uh, I believe that for the first two or three Sheffield Shield games, that it'll be a case of maybe giving some young players an opportunity. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what we've, you know, we've done pretty well over the last two years across, you know, sort of winning the last six titles. We've only, certainly in the first year, we didn't have anyone play in all three finals. And last year we had four players. So um, it's been a testament to the depth and opportunity at different times that we've needed a real squad mentality. So, um, look, I don't think that's any different this year. I, I think we're going to get challenged a little bit more earlier in the pre-season with a, with a reasonable squad away with Australia and um, you know, managing some Australian fast bowlers that, that we're trying to get through the summer and they'll have a big role to play there. And then 
you know, just some injury challenges through preparations of, you know, we've had Australia A cricket and a fair bit on through the winter. So we, we um, yeah, we're just going to be able to provide opportunity and we're, we're excited by that. We think um, that's something that we've done well the last two years. We haven't, we haven't gone into the last two years with our best team on paper on the park every week. And, um, you know, the, the guys have had a real squad mentality and, and stepped up and played a role when it's their turn. I think that's a, a credit to the group. So um, that certainly won't be any different this season. But, um, yeah, certainly early on in the summer, we're going to see um, potentially some, some younger guys get a, get a crack, which we're pleased with. So saying that, uh, depth is very important in any elite team. What is the depth like at grade cricket level with some of these players getting an opportunity? Oh, look, I think Premier Cricket's in, in good shape. I think we get to we get to pick the best out of those players. I and mean, when we've got a, a 31-player senior squad in the men's program, so um, the best 31 players have been either playing overseas or, or training with us. Um, you know, we've got some really strong academy programs where we're developing the best um, really 16- to 19-year-old kids through that program, international championships. So um, if you sort of then add in the, the young guys like Liam Haskett and um, Hamish McKenzie, they've come into our state programs off the back of really strong performances in Premier Cricket. So um, we think our system works well. Um, we feel like we're able to continue to develop players that are able to step into this space and, as we've said before, um, even go on to play for Australia. So we feel like that system's in good shape. Certainly don't ever take it for granted, but, um, yeah, we're looking forward to, um, to getting into some cricket and giving those guys some opportunity. Let's have a look at the BBL. Your thoughts on the WBBL draft? Mariana Cap, of course, uh, the South African, won't be part of the Perth Scorchers. But Sophie Devine, who did a press conference yesterday, will be, who's one of the best players in the world in the short form of the game. How do you think the WBBL draft worked out? Oh, look, it was challenging for us as a, as a, as a team in that, you know, we had the two, two of the best players, if not the two best players in the world, um, that had signed and played for us. And essentially the system meant that we had to make a choice. And that was a really tough one. Um, you know, Marazan was part of our, our, our inaugural winning team and um, played a huge role for us over the last two years. But, um, you know, we sort of felt that with Sophie as our captain, that that was a really important um, skill set that she provided. So that's a really tough choice that we wouldn't have made um, of our own free will and without the WBBL draft. But those those being the rules, we, you know, we're really pleased to bring Danny White and, and Amy Jones into our group to... Um, yeah, to make us a, a stronger team based uh, on top of the domestic players that we feel are, are able to play a really strong role for us. So the, the draft is fine, um, understanding the mechanism by which you want to bring in the best talent. Um, um, but yeah, we probably wouldn't have ideally gone to gone to our, our squad this year without Marazan Cap in it. So um, that's unfortunate, but we'll move on and, um, and have a crack again this summer. Let's have a look at the men's BBL. There's been some talk about uh, the Brisbane Heat pretty keen to offer Cameron Green a pretty good deal. What's the latest on that? Yeah, look, I think um, over the pre-season, it's always been challenging with your Australian players, knowing their availability and their appetite to play the big bash, given how much cricket they play. So well, we're certainly comfortable with where it sits with Greeny. Um, you know, I think at some point he's going to need a break, but um, you know, I can understand why. I think all eight teams would love to have Cameron Green on the list, so we certainly don't take that for granted. But look, I think something a decision will be made either way over the next week or so. Um, certainly, Cameron's away. Um, you know, he's about to embark on a World Cup, so I'm sure he'll like to square that away. But as I said, we're pretty comfortable with where it sits, and um, you know, we value Cameron very highly, and would like to keep him a scorcher. But um, yeah, we'll just see how the next week plays out. So you're not totally confident that you'll keep him? Oh, look, if, if I think at this stage, it's, it's really about whether 
whether Greeny wants to play or not. I'm really comfortable that um, if Greeny wants to play in the Big Bash, that it will be a Perth Scorcher. I think, like a lot of those world-class players now, they actually debate whether playing in the Big Bash is, is, is actually manageable for them. So I'm really confident that if Greeny wants to be part of the Big Bash, he'll be a Perth Scorcher. Um, but I think that's the decision he needs to make over the next week or so. And, and we'll be comfortable either way. You know, we sort of bank on him not being available. We just want to stay, keep him connected to the Scorchers. And, you know, he, he's been a strong part of WA cricket. He's certainly, um, we, we enjoyed having him last year, even though he was injured. But um, it's really a decision for, for how Kane Greeny is to be involved. I, I sort of think that's where the decision will be rather than which team he plays for. Yeah, fair call. Uh, and as we let you go, Adam Vosius, of course, is the coach of the WA cricket team. Has there been any changes under him as in relation to support crew? No, we've got the same crew as we had last year. We've got Bo Casson as the senior assistant with, with Tim McDonald. Um, yeah, so we've, we've sort of had a little bit of change in our development coaching ranks with Jeff Marsh um, retired. So he's gone up to Coral Bay. So we've brought in Travis Burton and Michael Marshall. They mainly work with our, our developing players, our second 11, and then work up with the senior group. But in terms of what the, the senior team um, have around them, that, that certainly hasn't changed from last year. It's um, yeah, it's a, it's a winning formula. We've got great staff. Our Triple SM staff are brilliant. So um, we feel really settled in that regard and um, and look forward to them getting to work over what's going to be a pretty busy summer. What, Swamp's actually retired? Yeah, I think once Sean left, that was probably that was probably a moment <laughs> for Swamp to go, I reckon I've had enough. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a sad farewell. But, um, yeah, Swamp's been... Um, I think he's, he's reached the limit on his, on his wanging load. So... Um, yeah, he's um, he's decided to step away. He's moved up to Coral Bay and um, a bit of a sea change. But I think, yeah, I think uh, there was a generational shift with Sean retiring and um, it certainly felt a little bit that way with Swamp as well. So I'm very thankful for his involvement in, in WA cricket But um, and he served it very well. But, um, yeah, I think he's looking forward to a break. So Swamp's going to be living in Coral Bay. You know what he'll be doing? He'll be fishing every day on one of those boats out there at Coral Bay. Good on him. Good on him. Already seen a few videos of him fishing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 12 hours north of Perth. I'll catch up with you once I get back to Coral Bay. It's a great spot. Good on you, Kay. Thanks for joining us, mate, and giving us an insight. Great launch this morning and really looking forward to what promises to be an exciting summer of cricket. Thanks for your time. Good on you. Thanks, Pete. Kate Harvey, the general manager of high performance at the WACA, bringing us up to date uh, with uh, cricket, which is just around the corner with the launch happening today. Just before I go, here's a tipping update for the Leg Up, Australia's fastest growing tipping service. Now, tomorrow, take note of this, Warwick Farm, race five, number one, the Milky Bar Kid. Remember the Milky Bar Kid commercials? And they used to sell Milky Bars... At the corner store. Ah, oh, that brings back a lot of memories. Uh, the Milky Bar Kid. Uh, he was building to a win at his first three runs this campaign. And then last start, when the stable went for a claim, he got his tongue over the bit and choked down. When you can't breathe, you can't run. So we, we can be forgiving of the beaten margin and the tongue tie being applied is a significant gear change. He will take complete control of this race again with the claimer and give them plenty to catch. So there you go. The latest tomorrow, Warwick Farm, race five, number one, the Milky Bard Kid. Uh, and get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's fast-growing tipping service, thelegup.com.au. And just a couple of sports headlines before I go for Irrigear. Irrigear is here. Tomorrow there's a big launch and I'll have Matt Fulton, the CEO of Sport West tomorrow. That is the peak industry body for sport here in WA 
and they're launching its new industry-led initiative, uh, True Sport, in front of over 200 representatives. There'll be athletes, sporting CEOs from a diverse range of state sporting associations, both the professional sports, so our footy representatives will be there, uh, the Minister for Sport and Recreation, the Honourable David Templeman, MLA will be there as well. So we'll find out all about it tomorrow here on Sports Day WA. And just a bit of footy news, the Brisbane key defender Jack Payne is in doubt for Saturday's clash with Carlton and their star forward, Charlie Kernow. Just a bit of an update there. Thanks to Irrigear, which offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions. To save time and water, Irrigear is here. And don't forget, double demerit points apply from midnight Thursday night until midnight Monday for speeding or using a mobile phone or radar detector while driving. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Jimmy, for your assistance with the program today. And thanks to you for being involved in listening to Sports Day WA. All thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and also Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Catch you tomorrow from 5 right here on SENWA.